Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like Geppetto We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind It is your boy DJ's with Running Back Philly for the second time today. No frauds, no fanboys, no intros. We did the Eagles game earlier. We got a dub there. We did the Sixers game. We got a dub there. Two totally different teams, two totally different storylines, two totally different levels of competition. Even though I don't think the New York Giants are very good. The Charlotte Hornets are horrendous. Uh, and they were missing um, Gordon Hayward. Uh, but nonetheless, we got the win. Uh, I tweeted and I said, anybody with a solid mental health situation is not watching the Sixers versus the Hornets on a Sunday night. I am broken. Yes, you know me, guys. You know me. I'm watching it. Doesn't matter when it is. Doesn't matter who it's against. I'm watching it for the most part. And there's 104 of you in here, which means you guys are just as psychopathic as I am. But really, anytime you get to watch Joel Embiid play basketball, you watch it. That's that, that. I guess that's how I really look at the Philadelphia 76ers right now. I can dislike a lot of parts of this team. I can dislike a lot of things that go on in this organization. But for me, it was just the same way it was when I was a kid watching Allen Iverson. Didn't matter if they had a chance or not. I got to watch Allen Iverson play when the Sixers were on. I get to watch Joel Embiid play when the Sixers are on. Uh, so I guess that's how I'm going to look at it. Now, look. I enjoy a Joel Embiid clinic maybe more than anything in the world right now. I don't know what the Charlotte Hornets were doing. I don't know what their strategy was. They didn't actually have a strategy. They don't really care at this point. Uh, maybe they want to tank for Wembenaya. Help me out with that name. Wembenaya. Uh, they put up a fight, though. You know, it wasn't a blowout. Um, and I, I think that's because we have a lot of issues. But Joel Embiid dropped 53 points, and that's going to be the story of this podcast episode which by the way if you want all of these episodes in crystal clear mastered audio form they are on all podcast platforms <clears throat> the following day 
Uh, and uh, on Apple Podcasts, I need you to go there and leave me a five-star review. We are on the first page of Apple Podcasts when you type in Sixers or 76ers. We're right there. We're competing with the rights to Ricky Sanchez and uh, Sixers beat and uh, whatever the other one's called. You got Keith Pompey up there, Devon Givens. You got Derek Bodner. You got Spike Eskin. And you got your boy, DJ Eastwood. I have no... I have I have no business being in there, <laughs> but we did it. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in and subscribing and following and all of that stuff. Hey man, what's going on? Thank you for the super chat. I don't know if you try to type a message there or not, but hit me hit me back and we'll get to you. So Joel Embiid drops fifty three points, uh, eleven re- twelve rebounds. I'm sorry, a block. Three assists. I can't read. It's been a long weekend, a long day, and two shows in the same day. But anyway, uh, it was two for three from the three-point line. And uh, he dominated. He absolutely dominated. And this is this is the time of year, this is the time of season that Joel Embiid starts dominating. You know, we were frustrated at the beginning of the season, the first couple of games. We were like, what the hell's going on? Uh, but then, uh, I'll never forget my boy, Sean Bernard tweeted and reminded us that the first 20 games of every season, Joel Embiid starts slow. Uh, he does not do much in the off season. I don't know if he should be doing much in the off season because of just the way his body is. I think he does a lot of resting and rehabbing and recovery. And, uh, so he starts out slow, but, but after those first 20 games, when he gets into basketball shape, which he is in right now. The NBA gets put on notice. And the NBA right now is getting put on notice. Joel Embiid has four consecutive 35-point games. He has four career 50-point games. Uh, But right now, he's doing more offensively and defensively than any player in the NBA. That's not a question. There's people that don't have him on a top 10 MVP list. That's just absolutely offensive, blasphemy laughable uh maybe because he missed a couple games um that might be the reason I, that that has to be the reason there's no way he's not uh, on the list higher than Devin Booker like what are we really talking about Joel Embiid went old school tonight and I really liked it he knew look I got Mason Plumley and Jalen McDaniels on me do they have another center on the roster James Booknight, Theo Maladin, Nick Richards, Bryce McGowan's who they got. He said, I got Mason Plumlee guarding me. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to get busy. Uh, he had 28 points at halftime. He had 20 points in the second quarter alone. He was doing absolutely everything for the Philadelphia 76ers, and uh it was fun to watch. But I think he went old school tonight, man. He was attacking people's bodies, Pauls. He was attacking people. He was going at Mason Plumley's chest, left and right. That second quarter where he had 20 points, I think he got three back-to-back-to-back and one finishes. One was a dunk over him. Uh, he was just doing absolutely everything, and he had and he was implementing this little turnaround hook shot, getting position under the rim, 
Very simple. Turn, shoot the hook shot. Nobody can guard it. So I think the style Joel Embiid was playing in this game was fun because he was bullying people under the rim. Um, and he was completely unstoppable. He was completely, completely, completely unstoppable. Now, as far as the Sixers team goes, we start out and I didn't see a whole lot of movement in the first quarter. And it was frustrating because I just don't see a lot of movement uh, very much with this team. But the, the, the thing is, is that like the starters look more slow and stand aroundish than the bench. And that's a balance that you're trying to find. You're trying to find, you know, how do we have this two very heavy ISO players, Joel and James, and implement more ball movement and sharing the ball and running off ball and action off ball. I guess it's not easy. You can clearly see the difference. You know, they were down by what, five, six, seven, eight in the first quarter. And I was like, man, we're about to get ran out of the building by the damn Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and then the bench comes in, Shake Milton, George Niang. Matisse Thibel, and you automatically start seeing a whole lot of movement, a whole lot of action. Uh, and the bench in that first quarter went on a 7 0 run. I think they were down 13 to 7. It's my, where's my math here? 13 7, 13 to 6. I don't know. But they went on a 7 0 run, right? When it, the bench came in, they went on a 7 0 run. And I just saw a lot of movement and a lot of action when the bench came in, a lot of ball sharing, a lot of ball swinging. Pause. Uh, and then the starters came back in, and, the, and it looked like they fed off of that energy. You know, they didn't look good when they started this game at all. I think the second quarter into the rest of the game, you started to see a lot more movement in the starting lineup, also, and that was the kill shot to the Charlotte Hornets. Inevitably, is that once we started moving, and Joel got on a roll. They couldn't do anything with us. Uh, it was uh, saw a couple times that I I saw something that I I'm not sure if I've ever seen before, which is James Harden moving without the ball. I see plays where James is getting the ball to Joe, and then DeAnthony Melton setting a back screen for James to go to the other side of the court, and I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this creativity and movement on my 76ers basketball team? So I don't know. Maybe we're seeing something here. Maybe we're going to see a little more fluidity and a little more creativity in the offense. Maybe Glenn knows his job is, is at stake and, he, and he's asking questions or he's taking ideas from his, the rest of his coaching staff for the first time since he's been here. I don't know. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that. Uh, starting in the first quarter, yeah, we were down 13-7. to seven. Uh, We gave up eight points in the paint in six minutes to start the game. That was bad. Uh, the, the Hornets' uh, first 10, 10 out of the first 19 points were on transition plays. That was bad. Uh, you know, I don't want to downplay a Joel Embiid 53-point game, but 
you know, it's not like you can sit up here and throw a parade. He scored 53 points against Mason Plumley and Jalen McDaniels. You know what I mean? It was fun. It was fun to watch. You know he can do it. It's always fun to watch. It's always fun for him to prove to the rest of the NBA that he's one of the best players in the league, that he's one of the best centers of all time, that he's doing things at the center position that only Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain have done. That's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. Um, and I will say, you know, in years past, I remember Joel doing this to weaker opponents and then not showing up against the Bucks and not showing up against the bigger guys. But Joel dropped 38 against Anthony Davis. Joel dropped 34, I believe, against Steven Adams, who I said is the only guy in the NBA that can guard him. Um, so I think he's doing it consistently against basically everybody. We'll have to see what it looks like against the Boston Celtics because we know the Boston Celtics know how to throw strategy out there, not try to guard him one-on-one. They throw very, very good doubles, triples, weak side doubles, decoy doubles, all kinds of strategy defensively. Charlotte Hornets are just trying to guard him one-on-one with Mason Plumlee. I mean, what do you really think is going to happen? But again, I don't think they're really trying to win basketball games right now, so you got to take that into account also. I think the players are trying to win basketball games. Players never lose on purpose. But the organization, if you're the Charlotte Hornets right now, you say, let's get to the top of the draft. Don't double Joel. Don't double anybody. Keep it one-on-one. Let, let Mason get cooked, and let's move to the top of the draft. <laughs> I really think that that might be uh, you know, what some of their conversations were. The first quarter, uh, when the bench comes in, you know, Furkan Korkmaz is bad. I, I, I know we we're missing Tyrese Maxey, so that moves the players from the bench up a spot. I would still find um, somebody in the G League. I would find somebody down the street at the local high school. I would find somebody uh, that used to play organized basketball that's now uh, cleaning hotel rooms. I would find somebody. Not named Furkan Korkmaz to play on this team coming off the bench. He's just so bad. Um, you got a back-to-back Furkan turnover and then a Matisse Stiebel turnover in the first quarter, and I was like, "Good lord!" Those were that was one of the plays that resulted in some of those transition points to start the game. Um, this team is not deep, and I know it's a long season, and I know you know there's upsets and there's there's great teams that struggle with bad opponents all the time. That doesn't mean you have to be happy about it. That doesn't mean you have to watch it and enjoy it. Uh, they struggled in this game for most of it until Joel Embiid went super Saiyan and carried the team to victory. But the 76ers were not very impressive in this game outside of Joel. James had 16 assists. I like that. You know, Harden coming off the foot injury, still, you know, trying to get back into uh, game shape, I guess you can say, right? Um, Gives you uh, 19 points, 9 rebounds, and 16 assists, and he now has the number number two spot for the most assists in a game in a Philadelphia 76ers jersey, and the number one spot Belongs to James Harden <laughs> with 17 assists in a Sixers jersey. 
So, you know, James still coming along after that injury, still trying to get up to, to NBA game speed, but uh, I think he, I think he's getting there. I think he's getting there, and uh, I think we're implementing a little bit more James Harden off-ball action, and that might be something they're talking about in practice, air quotes practice. You know, Doc the other day said that that practice that they had was the first practice they've been able to have basically this season. So they practice like three times a year, you know, so maybe that's why you're seeing a little bit more uh, creativity and, and things going on on the court right now because they, they finally had a, had a team practice. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know how you just hardly ever practice, but uh, you can tell most of the times. You can tell most games uh, that this team looks like they don't practice. But, um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of different things uh, with James off ball and, and things like that, and uh, it resulted in 16 assists. So. I like that from James Harden. Um, yeah, we were down twenty-one to thirteen. The bench came in and made and made a seven-zero run. Uh, Montrez Harrell, man, Montrez Harrell. I don't know what it was that made Doc uh, go Montrez over Paul Reed in this game. I, 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 I guess I don't really remember what Paul Reed did in the Lakers game. Uh, Doc always claims that it's matchups, so. You know, he he said, "Hey, look, it's it's Mason Plumley uh, with the bench unit. Um, Trez is going to be going up against who? You know, Bryce McGowan's. I don't even these positions aren't even listed, but half of these players I never heard of. Uh, so Glenn was like, all right, we're going to give the backup center minutes to Trez tonight. See what he can do. And Trez was uh, playing like he plays, man, playing hard, never giving up." fighting for loose balls, fighting for offensive rebounds, yelling at referees, uh, arguing with referees. One of the funny things I read his lips on the one play that he got called for a foul, he turned around, he's he's yelling at the referee, I was straight up, I promise you. <laughs> he said, I promise you. Like an NBA official gives a shit about that. That was just funny. I think the dude's funny. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and against the Hornets, that's one of his former teams also, you know, so a little bit of a chip on his shoulder there. Every time he got a wide open dunk, he tried to rip the rim off and he screamed and flexed on him and everything like that. So, you know, shout out to Montrez Harrell, uh, for the effort that he brought on the floor tonight at the backup center, uh, minutes. Um, he's an entertaining guy, man. He's an entertaining guy. Now, when you play a team with with better talent, uh, he gets cooked on the defensive side of the ball. So, I guess with the Montrez Harrell uh, topic, let's just hope that Glenn Rivers doesn't suddenly think, oh my God, Montrez is great now. So, he gets all the backup center minutes moving forward. Uh, who do we play next? What's our next game, man? Schedule schedule Sixers season schedule um well there's an ad uh team Philadelphia 76ers um where are we at December what's the date today 11th Wednesday week 9 why are these by weeks Charlotte Hornets. Okay, we play the Kings on tu- tomorrow, Tuesday. 
play the Kings on Tuesday. Then we play the Golden State Warriors on Friday, who haven't been great this season. Um, next Monday, Toronto. That'll be interesting. You know, they have strategic defense. You got Detroit. You got the Clippers. You got the Knicks on and on and on. But we play uh, we play the Kings on, on Tuesday. Uh, the Kings have been uh, surprising this season. The Kings have been surprising this season, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I was talking about the Montrez uh, thing, and uh, you know, just hopefully Glenn isn't just like, oh my God, we now Trez won the backup center minutes, and so now against everybody, you know, he plays Montrez at backup center, and we get destroyed on the boards, and we get destroyed uh, at the rim, and it's a layup drill and all that. So let's hope, let's hope for that. Okay. There's not really a whole lot to talk about when it comes to this game. This is probably going to be almost the end of this episode. Not going to lie to you. Plus, it's been a long day. Tobias Harris, uh, I thought he was good, man. I thought he was real good in this game. I thought he was playing hard. I thought he was aggressive. He was attacking the rim. Uh, A couple times, you know, the defender in front of him, he didn't do this little fade away, shy away from contact, weak-ass layup. He was taking a dribble and trying to dunk on people. So I like Tobias Harris' aggressiveness in this game. He was 7 for 12 uh, from the floor. He had 17 points, uh, 4 rebounds. You know, we always say Tobias Harris should have more than 4 rebounds, but it is what it is. Uh, thought he was all right. Thought he was all right. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, you know, he didn't, ha- he didn't have a 30-plus a point game like he did against the Lakers. He came back down to earth a little bit, but uh, you know, loved Anthony Melton, and he and he really uh, helped us make that run in the third quarter. He had a couple of big plays in the third quarter. Uh, Mister Do Everything, you know how it goes. Um, Anthony Melton gives you twelve, but really, when you look at this stat sheet, man, um, it was it, it was a hundred percent Joel Embiid. Not not much else really from it. <laughs> From anybody. And then they were force feeding him. He was 20 for 35. Uh, but yeah, without him, this team is mm, eh, very mid, right? Without Joel Embiid, this team is very mid. Am I, am I wrong for saying that? Without Joel Embiid, this team is very mid. And it's been like that for a long time. It's been like that for a long time. Um, Joel had his 100th. 30 and 10 game of his career. Uh, and then when, when he, he got his 53rd point, ran down the other end of the floor and was able to get a block at the rim. And I just don't think you've seen anybody dominate a game offensively and then get back down and anchor the defense. He does so much, you know, and I think uh, when he has an off game or when he has games where he's slow and looks tired, think we get on him a little bit too much man uh, i really do think that uh there's there's people in this in the city of philadelphia sixers fans that despise joel and they can't stand him they think he's lazy they think he's a, a, a complainer they think he's a flop artist they think this they think that they, they just can't stand his brand of basketball but they just they're just not really understanding that this team would be nothing to watch this team would be completely irrelevant Without Joel Embiid. Completely irrelevant. Really. Really think about it. Really. The Charlotte Hornets are bad. 
one of the bottom three teams in the NBA, and that was with Gordon Hayward. The rest of the team kind of struggled against the Charlotte Hornets. We had uh, 13 bench points, nine from Trez and four from our boy Furkan Korkmaz, uh, you know, and 13 bench points. Ain't going to get it done. 13 bench points ain't going to get it done. Do you know how many bench points the Charlotte Hornets had? Uh, 29. Charlotte Hornets, 29 bench points. Sixers, 13. There's just a lot of, uh, a lot of things wrong with this team, but, but Joel is putting a team on his back. I guess my question is, is that a good thing? Philly take with RB, my dude. What's up, man? What's up? Thanks for thanks for dropping by, brother. Uh, Philly take says the trolls are nowhere to be found on these nights. Can't give the dude credit. It's wild. Easiest fifty three I've ever seen. That's a great way to put it, my guy. Easiest, easiest. It looked easy. <laughs> what players in the history of the game? can drop 53 points, and it looks relatively easy. I mean, he looked like he was practicing. He looked like he was at a shoot-around at an open gym. He really did. I think my question is, you know what I mean? Um, The team has a a lot of things wrong with it. But you win these games because Joel Embiid puts the whole team on his back. Is that good in the long run? Because is that really hiding the deficiencies uh, of the team? I mean, it's going to happen anyway because Joel's not going to go out there and try to lose. He's trying to constantly, every night, try to win and try to show everybody that he deserves some damn respect. Uh, but I just feel like it, it 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 prolongs the issues being addressed. You know what I mean? Really, what I'm trying to say is this game means absolutely nothing. <laughs> this game means nothing. It's not a test for 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 your team, really. Uh, again, I don't think the Charlotte Hornets are trying to win basketball games right now. Joel drops fifty three on them, um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really tell you anything about the Sixers in 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 general. It was just fun to watch Joel drop fifty three. We'll have more of a we'll have more of an assessment, you know, opportunity after the Kings game on Tuesday. We're not going anywhere with Doc. All of this is a simulation until we are eliminated in the playoffs. Uh, well, that's the thing, man. You know, that goes with the question that I just asked. It really does, because last year, you know, we we had a we had a not 
as good or as deep on paper roster as we have right now, even though I don't think this team is very deep. Um, and we beat the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs because of Joel Embiid. Uh, we were 0-2 against the Miami Heat because Joel Embiid had a broken face. Joel Embiid comes back with the mask on, and we tie the series. But inevitably, he just couldn't you know, play the way that he's used to playing because of the injuries that he was playing with. But if Joel's healthy in that series, we beat the Miami Heat. That's without DeAnthony Melton. That's without year three Tyrese Maxey. That's without James Harden being in shape. So I, I guess look at this, man. Look at this. You know, because I could say the same thing about the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers with Allen Iverson. I could say the same thing about them, and and this isn't a slight to the to the player because they're always going to go out and play their best. They're 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 warriors, and that's their mentality, and that's how they play. But I guess like in 2001, that team that Iverson took to the finals wasn't very good, talent wise on paper. He never had a second superstar. He never had the help that he really needed to be a top team in the NBA. Um, but he was so good, and he was so dominant scoring the ball every single night that he carried that team way farther than they should have ever gone. Did that prolong addressing the issues of the team outside of Allen Iverson? You know what I'm saying? If that player doesn't carry that team, they have a bad record and then things change. But if that te- if that player is so good that he carries the team and kind of covers up the deficiencies of the team, it doesn't put as much attention on the negatives and it doesn't like spark action for for the people at the top to want to fix it. So if Joel Embiid is this good his whole career and he's been this good his whole career, But so far in his career, he hasn't had the right pieces around him to get to the promised land. Is it partially because he's so good, he can take a team that's clearly not good enough farther than they should be, and that kind of prolongs addressing the issues. I think there's a lot of players like that that are really good that that get teams that that carry uh players to certain places and that might prolong people looking at the issues of their actual team and there's a lot of players who've gone their whole career being great at basketball and never really having the right pieces around them to win it all just a thought just Eastwood up here thinking out loud on a Sunday night. What are you guys talking about, man? Sixers had scoring demon Eric Snow in the line. <laughs> the funniest part is Eric Snow had like one of the most important uh, shots made against the Lakers. I'm pretty sure he had the game-winning, like, driving floater from almost the free-throw line in that upset over the Lakers in game one 
in the 2001 NBA Finals, and then they inevitably lost the next four in a row because they had no business even winning one game. But Allen Iverson had 48. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a player just showing up the biggest on the biggest stage. Iverson knew he he didn't belong there. I mean, he knew he belonged there. He 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 didn't. He knew. He might not get back there again. He might not get this opportunity again. And he drops 48 in game one against the Lakers. Shaq, Kobe, Robert Ory, Derek Fisher, Ron Harper. Bruh. Team was stacked. Yeah, it was the only loss of the Lakers postseason that year, too. Um, yeah, I think Eric Snow had, to, had the game-winning shot in that game. And then they got smoked the rest of the way. Uh, all right. Well, I don't have anything else to talk about. Joel B dropped 53. The Sixers beat the Hornets like they should have. Uh, they struggled at times with the Hornets. It is a Sunday night in December, but I think, uh, I think the Sixers, you know, still have a lot of things that, that they need to work on. Uh, here's a couple of stats for us to talk about. Um, the Charlotte Hornets out-rebounded us. We had more assists. Uh, they had 12 steals to our six, which is crazy. We shot a higher three-point percentage, almost even on the free-throw percentage. Um, we gave up 50 points in the paint. They gave up 56. Most of those were Joel Embiid. Um, I think we really struggle with... Uh, this one right here, second chance points, which is inevitably uh, offensive rebounding. The Charlotte Hornets had 27 second chance points, and we had five, which means they were grabbing offensive boards, and we were not grabbing offensive boards. Uh, fast break points, they had 22, we had 19. But basically, if this was any other team, <laughs> bro, Eastwood, you're so negative, but realistically, like I'm just speaking facts. If this was any other team in the NBA, you might have had a Joel Embiid 53-point game and an and a L. That's all I'm saying, man. See what they look like against the Kings on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, Allah talking about the free chicken too much. Allah just talks about everything too much, man. He just talks too much. I think Allah talks more than Kate, and she's the play-by-play announcer. He's supposed to be color commentary. He just tries to fill all the dead air, man. I think the main thing he does that drives me nuts is talks about old players that nobody ever heard of and doesn't care about and then gives you all kinds of information about them. What did he say tonight? He was comparing Joel's turnaround hook shot to some dude in the 90s. And she was like, do you want to tell everyone who that is? And he was like, oh, you never heard of Steve Smith? 
He's like, he had a turnaround jumper just like that. And he went to LSU and then he starts telling, you know what I mean? Like if one thing I was going to do is tell you about old players and tell you what college they went to. Former Wildcat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I got to start muting the thing. Listening to Tom McGinnis. Anyway, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in guys. This game meant absolutely nothing. Joel Embiid's amazing. Mason Plumley can't guard him. The Charlotte Hornets are really, really bad, and they're not trying to win at all. Uh, and yeah, subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button on this stream. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review. Catch the podcast on all podcast platforms. And I will catch y'all on the next one. Quit testing me. Test me, test me, test me, test me.